When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Perion Winfrey joins us to talk about his MVP performance at the Senior Bowl, his goals for the NFL Combine, and OU's 2021 season. We give you the latest OU football updates, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week, where we talk some OU basketball, softball, and we recap the Super Bowl. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this Sunday night, right after the Super Bowl, we'll definitely talk about that. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, it's, it's one of the most overrated, annoying days in the calendar. All right. Any yeah. good plans, Ted? It, no big plans, no big plans, um, but it's just, it's one of those checklist days, right? It's, it's just make sure you've uh, got all your things handled. We, um, my wife and I came to an agreement a long time ago, even before we were married, started this tradition when we were dating. While everyone is stressing about the flowers and the chocolates and the fancy dinner, we don't do any of that. We go eat burgers at Tucker's. That's nice. our Valentine's Day tradition. <laughs> I actually remember that. I feel like I remember you either talking about it or posting the pictures. It's one of, it's one of the smartest things we've ever done. That's it, great. It, it's great. It's fantastic. No set menu, just burgers, fries, shakes, <laughs> just every year. Keep it simple. I like that. Okay, so we have an interview with our man, Perry on Winfrey. Ted, we got him. Ooh. We got the big man. 
And let's just throw the warning out. Some strong language from our guy, Perion. Excited <laughs> language, but definitely some four-letter words that maybe you don't want the little kiddos to hear. But, you know, I, I consulted some people on whether or not I should edit that out. And the consensus that I got back is you never edit what your guest says. Right. So it is, it is unedited. It is uncensored and it is an absolutely fantastic interview, but needed to throw that warning out there. Yeah. uh, And it felt like uh, the language got stronger as the, as the conversation went on longer. Right. Which, Hey, he was feeling comfortable. He had some really good things to say. So I, I, I support leaving it in with a disclaimer. Yeah. And the funny part about you saying that I remember like 15 minutes into the interview being like, man, he's not cussing at all. This is great. Like I, this is great. I was worried. And, and you're right. Our man Perion got real comfortable and it, you guys are, you guys are going to love it. Uh, it's good. It's there's, good. there's always this OU stuff to talk about. And, and one thing that you and I have, we've tried to avoid is the way too early top 25s, but there is one in particular that have a lot of OU fans pissed off. So I, I, I felt we had to bring it up, and, and the guy kind of doubled da- down on it this week. So Stuart Mandel from The Athletic uh, used to be at Sports Illustrated. He does not have OU in his way too early top 25. And he makes a lot of valid points, right? OU lost both quarterbacks, lost their best running back, lost four of the top five leading receivers, lost three offensive line starters, lost their four best players on defense, lost the head coach, right? There's no doubt there's been a lot of change. But when I was looking at this, and by the way, he's got USC in his way too early top 25. So that, that of course, does not sit well with OU fans. But as I was reading all this, I immediately thought of you. I could only think of you and how much you would love the fact that OU is not in this band's way too early preseason top 25. Here's the thing. And uh, Stuart Mandel is, he's not an idiot, but he's done an idiotic thing that can happen to all of us. He's either, he's either done an idiotic thing or he's writing a a piece that he knows he's going to get a ton of pushback and a ton, a ton of clicks on it because people can't OU fans can't believe that they're in the in the, not in the top 25. I mean, here's the thing. In the last 20 years, there's been two years that OU did not finish in the top 25. Two years in the last 20. So I know everyone likes to get real cute and in his top 25, I haven't seen it. I just know he didn't have OU in there. He's probably got Wake Forest in there and he's probably got like Houston and North Carolina and Pitt and, and these schools. OU. Yeah. We lost a lot of guys. That's college football. You lose people. Now, the transfer portal has changed some of that, but did he not even think about the guys that we've added at all? 
I think it's I think it's like just a troll is really what I think it is. It's a it's a way to get people like all bent out of shape and to get extra clicks on an article. That's what you got to remember because you just you can't. There's not 25 schools that are going to end up higher higher ranked than Oklahoma at the end of the year. It's just it's it's dumb. I There's really so, no other way to put it. So he he addressed it in a mailbag this week, and he said a couple of things that first of all he said it's like the most backlash he's ever got for you know leaving a team off. Job and, well done. Yeah. Great job. You you definitely uh, struck the nerves of OU fans everywhere. But he addressed it and basically said, there are a couple lines in there where I was like, really? Okay, he, he said that Brent Venables could very well be the next Bob Stoops. He could just as well be the next Jimmy Lake. And I was like, really? Re- really, Jimmy Lake has the, has the credentials of Brent Venables? Really, that's where we're going with this? Brent I mean, Venables come on, man. Is- has been in eight national championship games. He's got three rings. He's had a top five defense in the country, like almost every single year since, you know, he, he went to Clemson and he had a bunch early on at Oklahoma. That's just absurd to say. Now it may not work out like to say that, you know, he might be the next Bob Stoops or he may not be, you can end it right there. You don't have to say the next Jimmy Lake. Like that's, that's asinine. Yeah. And then w- one other line he had in there, he he basically said that OU is ha- basically completely starting over. And I just, I don't understand that line of thinking. Right? I mean, and I know they didn't win the Big 12 last year, but and they lost a lot of players, but this program has been so good, like so consistently good for so long. How how can you view it as starting over? I just, I don't get it. That doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, maybe I'm being blinded by my OU homerism, Ted. I don't know, man. Well, it, it's, it's one of these frustrating things where everyone likes to pick and choose what they're going to use to, um, to, to grade a program or, or to, try and predict what a program is going to do. You know, is it, it, it's not as simple as like players in players out. Like it's not about just, well, you lost a five-star in the transfer portal, but you didn't gain a five-star in recruiting. There's so much more than that. There's so much more. There's, I mean, I would say that we're starting over in all of the areas where we need to start over. And personnel's not one of them. Starting over is the culture aspect of the program, right? And that needed to start over. So I think the areas where we're starting over are actually a great thing for the program and probably going to end up leading us to to go further than we've gone in a long time. So I don't know. It's whatever. If he honestly believes that Oklahoma is going to be – ranked outside of the top 25 for the first time since I think 2014, which was only the second time in, in 20 years. So yeah, I, there's not a whole lot else you can say about it, I guess. This is why we tend to not talk about it because it just makes us angry. And we're just like, this is stupid. What do we do it? But I, 
I completely agree with you when it comes to, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's really starting over, right? It's just implementing a change. It's not like OU's culture has just been awful. You know what I'm saying? Like the culture was good enough to win six big 12 championships and go to a bunch of college football playoffs. Like it was, it was in a decent place, but I'm not sure how you even put a value on the, the new culture we're starting to see in Norman. And that's, that's the tough part. The tough part for me is like, I don't know how to quantify that, but uh, I've talked to several members of the staff and they just say the biggest difference overall right now is just the level of accountability that Brent Venables has created within the program. And not just for players, like for everyone, for every single person involved in this program from equipment guys to trainers, to the coaching staff, to the, to the players, like everyone, the, the whole, the whole thing is based on accountability and it's, it's not only being applied to everyone, it's being applied to everything, right? It's not just football related stuff. And and clearly Jerry Schmidt being back takes that accountability to an even higher level. Right. And you know, from a strength and conditioning standpoint, maybe we haven't seen that level of accountability in Norman recently, but I just, I don't think people that aren't, you know, around the program or, or, or really invested in trying to keep up with what's going on at Oklahoma. Do you think they even know that this new culture is building the way it is? I, I don't think like, unless you're really dialed into the program, I don't, I don't think some of these national writers have any ideas. Well, no, they don't. They don't have any idea. Uh, and that it's not unique to Oklahoma and this culture. There's a lot of things that they don't have an idea about. But, you know, I just, I, I, you, whenever you look at the way the hire was just kind of viewed across the country, I, it wasn't I, within the program and fan base and people, you know, close to it. This, this is like, this has been like the greatest three months, December, January, February. I guess it hasn't been that long, but it's been like everyone is just overjoyed with what's going on. And you look out elsewhere across the country and it's like, eh, well, we'll see. They hired a defensive coordinator. So the thing, it just doesn't mesh. And I guess ultimately they could end up being right. But I right now, I, I think it's, I don't think it hurts you in recruiting, but uh, like the the image out there isn't being portrayed nationally. Isn't the same of what we're feeling right now around the program, right? Everyone's elated with how everything's going. Just couldn't be happier. Um, you know, I I do I do think it's a, a good opportunity for for everyone to kind of take a step back, regroup, and say, okay, no one thinks that this thing's going to work. No one thinks that we're going to be any good. Um, everyone thinks that this program was all Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Let's go show them otherwise. You love it. You love it when OU's in this position as opposed to last year, right? When right, people yeah. were, you know, picking them to go to the national championship, picking them to win the national championship. That's why I thought of you first. I was like, <laughs> this is this is Teddy Lehman's dream for Oklahoma football, that they could just play the disrespect card all season long, which is just crazy to think of because it's Oklahoma football. <laughs> If if I'm a 
if I'm a, a sports editor or I run a website or something, and one of my writers comes to me and has Oklahoma outside of the top 25 and Wake Forest in the top 25, they're fired. You're gone. Go write somewhere else. We have no credibility anymore, but whatever. I think the issue is I, I think Stuart Mandel is the editor. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but also, it, and that See, that's me why thinking. we all need checks and balances, right? Yeah. It, and th this got me thinking about kind of the Big 12 as a whole. It's like, yeah, OU's losing a lot. They're gaining a lot. And that's kind of how it is with everyone now. Like you're adding with your recruiting class. It's hard to keep track of all the guys being added from the portal and all those things. Right. We'll dive deeper into those rosters. But even though OU had some huge disappointment of a season last year, they, they almost went to the conference championship game still. Right. And you look at the two teams that played for it with Baylor eventually winning it. I mean, Baylor lost. Abram Smith and Tyquan Thornton and Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie and JT Woods, like all these guys in Oklahoma state lost their entire defense and their defensive coordinator. It's like what, what Texas that roster is basically, I mean, a third of that roster is going to be new faces. You look at Iowa state, they lost everyone. I mean, you would think with all the uncertainty for these teams in the big 12, You'd look around and you go, man, well, there's a lot of moving parts for all these teams. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just think the team that's been the most consistent for like the two, the last two decades, maybe I'll just, you know, kind of, you know, just show them some love. Cause you know, they've kind of earned it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just yeah. an idiot. Well, here's, here's my uh, way too early prediction. My prediction is that by the time spring ball happens and summer happens and August rolls around and we start to get the, the, the preseason top 25 poll, like the AP poll and Stuart Mandel is going to change it. He'll have Oklahoma in the top 25 and he'll probably not probably most likely maybe even guaranteed to pick OU to win the big 12. Wouldn't be shocking. And it would probably be the smart thing to do because history tells you it's a good That's pick. Right. That's right. History. This is why we don't talk about way too early top 25s because it just, they get us angry. I went, one time I created this uh, saying, I'm the one that came up with it. The best way to predict the future is to look at the past. I came up with that on That's my deep. own. I didn't, I didn't steal that from anyone. Put that, <laughs> put that on a t-shirt. I'm joking. I I did not come up with that, but uh, uh, unless someone can prove you didn't come up with it, <laughs> there's our next T-shirt idea. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, we got a lot of good Collier shots that brought up some uh, some interesting topics. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator when you see the red neon heart on the highway. Stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. 
Opolis Clothing has created two St. Patrick's Day Oklahoma Breakdown t-shirts. Make sure you order yours by March 3rd. The shirts and hoodie are buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and Oklahoma City Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use the promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Okay, so for Call Your Shot this week, we asked you guys what was the most important thing that happened this week for OU football. And this first one comes from C.B. Rouster, or C. Browster, 85. I don't know. Brewster? Browster. Brewster? C. Brewster, 85. I don't know, man. I'm sorry if I messed it up. But he said, I sound like an idiot right now. I'm fully aware I sound just ridiculous. But he says, offering Overton's brother, being the first gives us a big opportunity. And if the Aggies don't offer him in very good position to land both. So for those of you that aren't aware, Levius Overton, we've talked about him before on the pod. He's one of the top recruits in the class of 2023 who reclassified to the class of 2022. And he has announced his top five in OU is in it. Remember, his dad played at OU as well. Well, St- Steve Wiltfong over at 24-7 Sports tweeted that his brother, Micaiah Overton, has entered the transfer portal and wants to play with Levius wherever he goes. So they're both supposed to visit OU. And it sounds like Micaiah, am I saying that correctly? That sounds right. If that's not right, I don't know where to aim you in any other direction. It's a cool name, Micaiah. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before, but he's a 6'3", 300-pound defensive tackle who was playing at Liberty, and he tweeted that OU has offered him. So maybe a little package deal for the old Overton brothers? It looks that way. Um, I... (laughs) That's a that's an easy decision to make if you're if you're Venables. Now you get to some other uh, situations where there's something like this going on, and maybe you don't do that. But here, I I think that that's that's uh, totally called for. We'll see where it goes. Um, OU's got a couple of ends here. They've done a really good job recruiting on the defensive side already. Um, we'll see what happens um, if they were able to land a. Five-star D lineman before BV even coaches a game here. That'd be pretty big. That would be, that would be rather significant. So we'll, yeah. we'll keep track of that. But, yeah, that's definitely something big in the world of OU football. Another big thing, and this one comes from John Shoup on Twitter, who, by the way, is just very active on Twitter and interacting with the pod. Love it. Thanks, John. Keep it up, man. But he said, Dylan Gabriel's interview with the Prairie Pod. So that is the the podcast on the Prairie with our buddy Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis. So went and listened to that. And Dylan Gabriel said a couple of really interesting things. Now, there was a big, long section of like restaurant recommendations and stuff like that. I was like, this is not exactly what I'm looking for. But <laughs> he, he did say some good stuff. And there were some good restaurant recommendations out there as well. But he seems like he is really embracing the leadership role. Right. And that he is, he's taking guys out to dinner. He's trying to get them know, get to know those guys better. He he's trying to develop the chemistry with his teammates 
And he said something that I really liked. He said, the faster we click, the more growth that can be made. And I really like the way he's embracing that role. Just talking to some guys on the staff about it. Sounds like he is, he's a guy that is really trying to develop those bonds and develop that chemistry with not only his teammates, but with the coaches as well. And he's trying to do, do it as quickly as he can. So seems like he's doing all the right things, man. Yeah, no, I, I think that he is, he's got enough experience to, to be able to understand uh, the situation that they're in here and kind of what needs to happen moving forward. And I, I feel like I always would be happy to have more guys in that room, in that position group quarterback wise. But, you know, just like we said, I think the situation now is as it sits, the best thing is to have him be the number one guy, be the leader. He knows the offense, pull everyone in, be the one voice there and just roll with it right out of the gate. And it sounds like he's, he's taking that deal and he's absolutely running with it. Yeah. And I think it was Jeremiah that asked him kind of, about already being named the guy. And, and I love what Dylan Gabriel said. He, he basically said that it's not going to change how he works, that he's going to grind every day because that's what a quarterback does. I thought that was such a great line. It's like, it's just, it's, it's what we do, man. Like you, you can't be satisfied being the starter. Like you, you got to get yourself and push yourself to become the best player you can be. And that kind of transitioned to what he had to say about Jeff Levy which was that Levy was the guy that he knows can get the best out of him. And it was interesting to hear it from Dylan Gabriel because he said that Levy is like on a whole nother level now in a really good way. And I, I feel like sometimes, Ted, we forget that, you know, because we always talk about the development of players. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we kind of overlook the development of coaches, right? And yeah. Jeff Levy was just with Dylan Gabriel a couple of years ago. And for Dylan Gabriel to say, man, he's like on a completely, you know, whole, whole nother level. Like that's a big deal. And also that gets me excited. I know that you and I have been telling everyone that they should be excited about Levy and what he's about to do with this offense, but hearing it come from Dylan Gabriel, a guy that knew him previously, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and not just from, from Levy, you know, because he's, He's obviously still a young guy and still growing into that role. But, and, and you talked about this in the bowl game leading up to it, and about how there's some really good coaches on that offensive staff and they can still coach some football. And I, I think that, I think that specifically on the offensive side, just because I think it's going to be a different process. I think a lot of coaches on that side of the ball are going to really grow, right? Just kind of the way things were before, it, I, I think it stunted a lot of people's growth because no matter what you did, there was one person that was going to get credit for it. There was really no opportunity for upward mobility. Um, now you're in a position where, I don't know, say if you're DeMarco Murray or if you're Joe John Finley, you got to feel like, if, if Lebby comes in and we hit it out of the park for the first two or three years, there's a good chance that Lebby's going to be getting a head coaching job somewhere. So this is like my time to show what I've got because I could be the next guy at OU, right? I could be 
someone that's hired from within. So I think the, the feeling of having some upward mobility from those guys and just, I think knowing that their voice is going to be a little bit more heard, it's going to be more collaborative effort is going to help all those guys grow. Even guys that have, have been around for a long time. And in a weird way, just, you know, talking to those guys, it, are you getting the same sense I am? It's like they're, they're re-energized, man. Sure. Yep. Like they're fired up and it, maybe it is because of the opportunity, but also I think that the offensive guys that stuck around, like that staff, they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder now. Yeah. And you're right. They, they're, they're going to want to prove something this year. So yeah, that's the, I thought that, I thought that that was, that was really interesting hearing what Dylan Gabriel had to say on their on the podcast there with Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis. And this last one comes from Sooner Gnome. Sooner Gnome called his shot. Look at this picture. It's a little, it's a little no. Oh, dang it. I closed it. It's a little gnome. Uh an OU gnome. How about that? This is this is good for the YouTube. Oh. I, this is not for the audio, but yeah. It's cute. Yeah, it's a cute little gnome. How about that? But he Sooner Gnome says Coach V spotted at the gymnastics competition. Yeah. Just another example of the university slash program mentality. The expectations for next year will be high, but the support and love for those leading the team will be much higher. And we've, we've talked a lot about how Brent Vittables is doing everything right. And, but ultimately it'll come down to winning and losing games. He just continues to do everything right, man. He's showing up at other athletic you know, the athletic events there at the university, uh, he is really making this fan base love him. Like he gets it. I don't know how else to put it. He gets it. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's no doubt about it. He's, he's doing everything right. The guy is, he's relentless. He never sleeps. He never stops. And uh, I think that's going to continue to happen, but it reminds me of, did you see Lincoln Riley's seats at the Super Bowl? Or at he, least the picture that he tweeted out. Yes, I did. And he was, I know for a fact he was in the Cronkies box. So, yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> 50 yard line. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was pretty nice. But it's not better than uh, going to OU gymnastics over the weekend, like Coach V did, which um, I, I think is great. I think, that's the way to continue to do it. Uh, show support to all of those those different programs. There's there's a lot of OU fans that are that are bigger fans of some of those other sports, and just being there, it's it's reeling more people in, and we got a bought in fan base right now. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. All right, birthday shout outs time. A little light on the birthday shout outs. This, this episode, well, I've got an additional birthday shout out to add at the end. Ooh. Okay. Happy second birthday to Logan Anderson. Happy birthday, Logan. Happy sixth birthday to Adler Pitt. That's a good name. Happy birthday, Adler. Happy birthday to Kyle Smith. All right, Kyle. Happy birthday, Kyle. Happy birthday to Megan Stevens who I was told will be turning 21 for the 11th year in a row. Nice. Happy birthday, Megan. Just like 11 years ago, be smart. And you have an extra one. Happy birthday to Twitter, Sean. No age, doesn't want any of that. Just wants a happy birthday shout out. 
a big follower of the of the podcast. So happy birthday, Sean. All right. Now we, we've got an interview with Perry on Winfrey. Just a reminder. <laughs> some strong language in it. We have warned you. So don't go tweeting like, oh my gosh, the language, like, why didn't you say anything? We have warned you twice now. So just just know, especially the back half of the interview. Gets real strong. <laughs> but hey, the man got excited. You got a little excited. But first. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, winter is here, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. Okay. Just one more reminder. Third warning. Some strong language, but here he is. Here's Perry on Winfrey. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that just went down to the senior bowl and completely dominated. So dominant, in fact, that he was named MVP of the 2022 senior bowl. Perry on Winfrey. Oh, he's got the trophy. What's yeah, up, that's awesome. Man? Man, it was a blessing for sure. I loved that whole experience. Like, it was just crazy just to be down there and be around all of them. You with the best of the best. So, like, it was just amazing to be, for them to say that I was the best out of the best of the best. What'd you yeah. think about the experience? Did it kind of live up to what you thought was, was going to happen? I know you spent time preparing for it to go down right. there. You just didn't go wing it. But right. was did it kind of play out how you thought it would? I'm not going to lie. It was even more than I expected. Like, it was just a great experience overall. Like, even in the interviews and the the, the practice and everything, like, everything was just smooth. Like, it, it, it didn't feel like nothing was – how could I say this? It didn't feel like nothing. We were doing too much. Like, they were taking care of us and everything. I loved the whole experience. So, so I, I definitely want to talk more about your experience uh, down there at the Senior Bowl. But I, I think there are a lot of people that are curious – about what you did between the time you opted out of the Alamo Bolt, which in hindsight, what a tremendous decision you made. Fresh. So what you what what did you do between opting out of the Alamo Bowl and going to Mobile for the senior bowl? Right. Because clearly you did something right, man. <laughs> Real talk. Uh I would say so November 28th was the game. I, I probably took like three weeks to a month off, literally just to get back to myself 100%, just my mind, body, and spirit, like just 
everything in alignment, like just making sure I was healthy. People don't know I was at the game, the Alamo Bowl. I just wasn't, I just didn't want to be seen. I wanted it to be about my brothers, the next generation, the the younger D linemen. I wasn't even on the sideline. Like I I was in the stands. I had a hoodie on and everything. I just I didn't even want people to see me. Like I just came down there to celebrate my brothers. So after the the senior bowl, I mean after the um Alamo Bowl, I called Coach Tiv. He came down in the um, how could I say this? Like the locker room, but it was like outside the locker room. We we had a moment, we both crying and I'm telling him I'm I'm about to prepare and I'm about to do what I said I was going to do. So then in January, it was just full speed. Like I knew I didn't have no time to waste. So I was going, we was working out three times a day. I bought a lifetime membership. So I was also going to lifetime after those workouts, stretching, hot tub, sauna, cold tub. Just, I watched every, when they put out the roster and they let us know who was going to get the practice. I watched every single last dude on that roster every single last one of their clips like I had to learn learn them inside and out so like when it came to the senior bowl I was I was ready to go so it was awesome now you could tell that once you get that first win right in in one-on-ones or whatever the drill is you get that right. first win and kind of the pressure's off right you could just right. start turning it loose no for real it was just, like after the first win I'm like yo this is easy like yeah this is the best of the best but like I'm 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 up there with them like this this I'm thinking before like man it might be a little challenging like it, it was low key easier going against the best of the best because it brought my game up to a level that I've never seen before it just made me want to go harder and made me want to prove people wrong so just after that first win I I was on and popping like I couldn't slow down so at the Senior Bowl there there's a lot that goes on. Right. right. You got you got the practices in the meetings, but you also got all the other stuff going yeah. on. Right. You got the meetings with the teams, the the psychiatric evaluation, like the medical, all that stuff. Yeah. When you were meeting with teams like did did their tone change a little bit as the week went on, like as you were doing better and better? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I would. So Tuesday, that was the first week of practice the first day of practice, and we met with 16 teams from 7 to 11. They were like, yeah, they were like, you're having a good day, monster day, da-da-da-da. But then on Thursday, <laughs> after the Thursday practice, like after the week, everybody's tone changed. Like they're like, what's, what's gotten into you? Like, are, are, are you serious? Like, I, I didn't even know this was – you You had this in you. Like every, every single coaching staff that I talked to, tone completely changed. From me getting there and then our last interviews, it was it was crazy. So, like, whenever you back up a little bit, so when you decided to to opt out of the bowl game and start, you know, preparing yourself to go down there senior bowl and starting this next this next journey is going to be a long long right. year in front of you. So, whenever you started that, and then it's like right around the same time where all the turmoil stuff started to happen, like. Where, what was your mindset like whenever you guys first got the news about Lincoln Riley? So we were all we all were in the meeting. We he scheduled us a meeting for three thirty, so we all were sitting in there. But we didn't think nothing nothing other because we always have team meetings. But we were all on our phones, and then out of nowhere, I can't remember who it is. They're like, "Bro, Link's going to Cali." 
we're like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, shut up. We we just talked to him yesterday. He's not going nowhere. <laughs> and then everybody's phone got the ring and like, no, nah, he's really going to Cali. So, I mean, I we were all shocked. I would say we were all a little frustrated at the beginning, but like he did, I guess he did what he saw was best for his family. I, I, I got nothing but love and respect for Lincoln Riley because of the opportunities he gave me and my family. I wouldn't say that I would, I would agree with his decision 100% just in the way that he did it and the way that he left us. But I still want to see him win, not as much as the University of Oklahoma, of course, but I still want to see him win, and I'm still glad that he's doing good. But it, it was it was weird the way, he, well, the way he left, for sure. So anyone that has watched you play knows you're an extremely emotional guy, right? Like right. You, put, you put everything you got into playing the game. I assume that emotion also crosses over into your day-to-day life. Like right. when all that went down, I, I know I was emotional about it. I, I'm sure Teddy was the same. We all were just like, what the, yeah. how did, how did you take it personally? I'm not going to lie. At first I was mad. I was mad as hell just because like, I don't know. It just made everything like, it just made like everything like weird, like our send off, I guess you would say like, everything just didn't feel right. Like it felt like that's not the way our season was supposed to end. Like I just feel like we were too talented to lose two games. So I just, it was just a lot of emotions going inside my body. Like I was truly mad for about a good week. I'm not gonna lie. I was mad for like a week. Like I kept talking to my roommate about it every day. And then I just had to push it to the back of my mind, but I wouldn't. Yeah. I was just mad for real, for real. I was mad at the beginning, but after a while I got to thinking, I'm like, man, he did what was best for his family. I don't agree with how he did it, but he, he did what he saw fit that what was going to help his family out the most. And when it happens the way, like, as quick as it did and the way right. it did, it's like we've all been grinding and you've been scheming the whole time, yeah. right? And that, that leaves you frustrated. Like, we're all supposed to be in this thing together, going for the same goal. Um, and you mentioned that you talked to, to Coach Thibodeau down there at the, at the Alamo Bowl. Like, right. what was that relationship like with you? Like, kind of takes through the whole thing, like whenever you first showed up, right. how you guys uh, bonded as, as your development, uh, you know, progressed. And then obviously whenever all the stuff went down and he's not going to be around. Right. I I love Coach Tibbs. When I first got to OU, we were bumping heads. Like, every day we were, we were getting into it. Like, because I thought, if I was just young and dumb and I'm thinking that he's out to get me or he's like, he doesn't like me. But then I got in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, if he didn't like you, he wouldn't have recruited you. He wouldn't have tried to get you here. So obviously he doesn't not like you. He just is trying to push you to levels that you've never been to in your life. He's trying to show you what greatness is and how to obtain greatness. So at first our relationship, we were bumping heads like the whole, probably 2020 season. But after that season in 2021, like we became like this, like truly locked in. Um, like he re- he really just changed my life and my mental and the way I saw the game and the way I took on the game and just everything about Coach Tib, I appreciate because he was what, like one of the first men other than my father that kept it real with me. Like regardless of if it was going to hurt my feelings or not, like he was blunt as hell. Like he didn't care if it hurt me or not. He was he was one of those people that was going to let me know what it was. So when I seen him at the Alamo Bowl, I went in the locker room. He wasn't there. 
So now I'm getting a little emotional because I'm like, damn, I didn't miss him. I don't know when the next time I'm going to see this man is. So I called him. He got off the bus and he came, ran inside the um stadium, and we just started crying. Just It was just a real emotional moment because we both had goals in mind that we wanted to do for the U- University of Oklahoma, and we didn't get those things done. So we were a little frustrated. But overall, we were just crying because we were just proud at the – at the the way that our lives were going. So I would say my relationship with Tib was amazing. So clearly you you care about Tibbs a lot. Right. And, and I, I'm sure you've seen some of this stuff because uh, Teddy and I have certainly seen it. But people right. seem to think the way that you performed at the Senior Bowl is somehow an indictment on the coaching you received. At Oklahoma, it seems like a lot of people are like, hey, where was this on a more consistent basis? Is is it frustrating for you to see that stuff? Do do, do you kind of agree with some of that? Like where what how how have you dealt with seeing that type of stuff? Right. So I believe Grinch was a great coach when it came to uh, trying to fine tune our mental and trying to get us prepared for the game. But I also feel like we were we were in playing to our strengths. Like we had me, Nick Bonito, Isaiah Thomas, and Jalen Redmond all on the same D-line. There's no reason why we're not attacking people 24-7. Like there's no reason why we have to run stunts in games. Like in the game, in the Senior Bowl game, me and IT ran a stunt. It didn't work. I come to the sideline. The Jets coach was like, bro, don't, don't be running no games. games. Games are for people who can't uh, dominate a man one-on-one. So then I go in again and I just run through a person's face and get a TFL, come back to the side. He's like, you see what I'm talking about? You don't need to run those games. Game, games are meant for people who can't dominate a game. So I feel like we just weren't allowed to showcase our skills throughout the whole season. Like Nick Bonito is mugging 95% of the game, like in coverage instead of screaming off the edge. They got – they putting me at nose. There's there was a whole bunch of things I could go on and on about it, but yeah, I right. definitely keep feel keep like, going, man, because you're yeah. you're saying a lot of the things that Teddy and I have been saying for right. a couple of years. It, it was just confusing because it's like as a as a defensive coordinator, I got I got respect for Grinch, but you're you're supposed to mold your defense, your defensive scheme around your players. Like you're not supposed to try to force a scheme on players that it doesn't fit. Like, as a great defensive coordinator, you must see what you have and put forth enough to to help them. Like, not try to mold them around your scheme because, like, as you see, like, it, it, it wasn't working. It was me. We were all so frustrated this year because we knew what we were capable of. We were going – it was like a four- to five-game span where we didn't get a sack or a TFL, like, just seeing stuff like that, we were we were truly frustrated the whole year. So I feel like that's probably why the defense didn't play how they did in in the year before, just because we were so frustrated and I guess fed up in the fact that we wanted certain calls in and we weren't getting the things that we wanted to. We weren't playing the way that we wanted to because of those things. Yeah. I, I feel like one of my complaints was – you got to know when to switch gears. I think like movement 
on the defensive line that you're you're hiding something, you're masking something, right? Yeah. Like we can't we can't control the line of scrimmage, so we've got to be able to manipulate it somehow. Yeah. But you've got to be able to switch gears. Like at Washington State and some of these other schools, like you don't have that talent. And whenever right. you're implementing your system at Oklahoma, like you need to be prepared for that. But whenever you got the guys, you got to be able to switch gears, right? And I felt like we were we were kind of stuck there a little bit, but you know, it's it's all you know water under the bridge at this point. Yeah. So and you do to change it. And in addition to that, I guess I would say that the the only other thing that was pissing us off was the rotation. Like, yeah, I when I want to get out the game, like let me tap my head and come out. Like, you don't have to take us out every three plays. Like we were trying to tell them, like. Like, yo, I need to get into a rhythm. Like, I'm going in for three players, and then I won't see the field for, like, two drives. Then I'm going back in. My legs cold, hips tight. Like, let us get hot. Like, that's how I play the game. Like, once I get hot, ain't no cooling me down. So, like, I was just trying to push forward a lot of stuff. But after a while, I just sat sat in the back seat because I didn't want to feel like I was trying to be bigger than the coaching staff. Yeah. You have – no idea how many OU fans are going to hear that and go, I told you. <laughs> and that that's stuff that Teddy and I talked a lot about. Like that, Those are the frustrations that we voiced about the defense, especially last season. Right. But, you know, as you know, looking at the 2021 season as a whole, right, you know, it, you guys didn't accomplish the goal, right? Going right. into the year, it was, it was national championship expectations you, know, you kind of laid out your issues that you had with the defense like w- was there anything just team-wide like it, what what because it never it never seemed like you guys reached your full potential like wh- right. why do you think that was the case man i, I we I, I asked I, we asked this question almost every day in the group chat just i don't know it was just a load of i feel like there was too much pressure on us. So everybody was playing tight instead of the year before where we're not looked at as the national championship team. We looked at as the team who went one and two to start off the season. So now we got something to prove. And, and instead of this season, now we go in as the, the number one ranked team in the AP poll going into the season. We Everybody's talking about our national championship. They're talking about how great our defense is, how great the D-line is going to be. So I feel like everybody just went into the season like tense, scared, scared to make a mistake, scared to be that person that made that wrong move. So we all were just not playing like ourselves, I guess you could say. It just – it was just – I don't know. I went – like, we were winning games, but, like, every week we were – it didn't feel like we were winning. Like, we were just mad. Like, it was just so much turmoil. Like, we were 9-0, and and it felt like inside the facility that we were, like, 4-7, and and like, it was just weird. It, it's hard to explain. It didn't feel like last year for sure. How was it for you guys on the defense? Whenever, is it's rare? I, I don't remember the last time we've we've had it at Oklahoma where you've got a quarterback change, right? Like uh, not based off of injury or anything, like based off of performance. What, what what was that like for you guys on the defensive side and and in the locker room? Um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times it's like. I don't care whoever's our best guy. Let's roll with it. But sometimes, you know, teams can can be fractured by something like that. Right. I would. I'm cool with both of them. 
I would say it didn't affect the defense, to be honest with you, because um, both of them are great leaders. And when Kayla came in, he was just motivating everybody and trying to push everybody to be great. I wouldn't say it affected anything for real on the, on the outside world or in our eyes. Maybe one of them were feeling a certain type of way, but they were never, like, outgoingly showing it. Like, they, the love and the support was still the same. So I wouldn't say that the QB change was the reason or the the reason or the for our downfall this season. Like it was just a whole bunch of of bits that just ultimately put, showed in the games. Like mm-hmm. like that Kansas game. Like the the fact that we didn't practice on Monday. Like just little stuff like that. Just I don't know. It was just. It's hard to explain. I think about it every day. <laughs> you'll you'll think about it for a long time, man. Uh, take my word for it. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, we we've talked about kind of the frustrations, right? Right, and you know that's just I, I've, I mean, any guy that has played college and in the NFL will tell you that for whatever reason, uh, you remember the low points right. way better than you remember kind of the victories and the high points, but. What, what were some of the high points for you at, at Oklahoma, right? I, I mean, because it's – I know you didn't reach the ultimate goal, but right. you, you still you, – you accomplished a hell of a lot. Right. Man, I had a, a, lot, of, I had a lot of high points. I would probably say winning a Big 12 championship and then going and smacking up on them Florida boys. playing. Which I thought Texas. that Big 12 championship may have been the best game that you played. I, I don't know what the statistics were, but you were wrecking it in that one. Right. Definitely, definitely. I just – I love going against Iowa State. Like, oh, everybody knew that. Like, if it was an Iowa State game, I was I was turned. Like, that was one of those games that I was really up and hyped about because I just knew, like, I was going to get on that game. We – mostly that game we were doing a lot of stuff defensively that I actually agree with. But – and going back to talking about the highs, I would probably say, like, Texas game last year blocking that kick, yeah, that was cool. But the Texas game this year, <laughs> that was that's crazy. the highest highs. Like I that was the best football game I've ever Because you didn't get to see the 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 stadium like that exactly. before, right? Yeah, Bro, that's right. It was insane. Like the energy and everything in there. Like I've never I've never felt nothing like that. Like it was that was one of the highest points in my life, not just at the University of Oklahoma, but like one of the highest points of my life because my parents are literally sitting damn near courtside. Like, I'm looking behind myself, and I'm seeing them. So I go make a play, and then I come back, and my dad, like, yeah. But I need <laughs> So just, like, little stuff like that, like, that that was one of the highest of highs. Like, it's just funny because it was 28-13 or 28-10, I believe, at halftime. And, like, Texas is walking up the, the ramp. Like, the game's over. And we're trying to run up it so the the police are having to block us and that's just when we knew like yeah we're about to come back and win this game they they think it's over and it's just begun that that was that was a crazy experience what was the locker room like like whenever you guys finally got in there and you were down what, what was it like were, were guys nah. no one when had we their head the locker room, we wasn't down we were turned up like we was like come on like this game was not like I've never seen our locker room like that. Like we were turned up. Like we were like, this game not over. We're not going home with an L. We're not going home without the W. Like everybody in there knew the whole game that we were gonna win. 
Like, regardless of the score, we were winning that game. Like, nobody's confidence ever wavered. Like, it was weird. Like, it was like we all knew what was about to happen, and it truly happened. Like, that second half was crazy, bro. <laughs> crazy. For real. I, I almost thought it was going to go into overtime again. That was insane. I, I think at one point, I'm not sure if you remember this, but I'm pretty sure it happened. I'm pretty sure I'm not making this up in my mind, but right. you guys had just gotten another stop mm-hmm. and I was standing over because I'll go stand over kind of by the defensive line bench right. and, and you and I just kind of chest bumped and screamed in each other's faces. Like there was, yeah. there were no words exchanged. It was like, but like everyone, it was, it was the fans. It was the players. It was the radio guys. Like we yeah. all, that second half, you're right, man. It was insane. I definitely remember that. Yeah, we were definitely turned up. Like, we didn't even – I just chest bumped you and screamed and just walked away. Like, that's that's how much energy was flowing throughout that stadium. Like, we didn't say no words. We just screamed and walked away. Like, that shit was normal. Like, <laughs> that that second half was great. And then the fact that our bench is right behind the Texas fans. So, they're turning me up because they're like, Winfrey, you saw Winfrey this, Winfrey that. Uh, Winfrey, go make a play. I go in, make a sack, come back, and just stand there, just look at the look behind me. Don't even say nothing. I'm just looking. And now, from the beginning of the game, they're talking trash to the end of the game. Now they're, oh man, you played a great game. Da 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 da. It was just funny. Being, I love that the fact that their fans were behind us the whole game. For That's real, awesome. You played in two two epic games back to back. The overtime crazy man. game, which was crazy, but it never. It never had the the feeling because there just wasn't that exactly. many people there. I mean, it was still an unbelievable. Yeah, game, that game but... was that game was legendary. But this one, like this 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 one this one was one of them Texas games that's going to be talked about for years and years and years. I've so, seen I've seen twenty uh, twenty two of them in my life, and I've never seen it anything close to that. That was insane. It was great. Everybody was saying that, like just the energy in there, like. Ooh, <laughs> I was just thinking about it, like the the way the fans were jumping up and down, and the it was just insane, like insane. Yeah, so. definitely, definitely the most hyped I, I've been in a game that I wasn't playing in. Like it was, <laughs> like, I, that's I was what losing. I'm saying, it. bro, everybody lie. on the sideline was just like their energy was giving us more energy, like. There was nobody in there that was dual face, like from Joe Castiglione. Everybody was turned up, bro. Like it was crazy. Okay, I I could talk about you know that game all day yeah. long. I, I I do want to circle back to the Senior Bowl because right. you you talked about the work you were putting in heading right. into it, right? Your preparation. What was it like? How how did you? What did you feel? after you had that week of practice, you dominate the game, you're named MVP, like, at what moment after the game were you like, damn, like, I just did it as good as I could do it. Like, did, did they, when did that hit you? I'm not going to lie. I was in the present state of mind till about Monday. Like, it didn't hit me till Monday when I got home and I put the trophy. Because if you, let me see if I can flip the camera. If you look, for a whole month, I had this and this sitting right here at the dinner table because I said when I went to the Senior Bowl, I was going to eat. So the fact that I spoke that up and then I came in here and put the trophy right on the table, that's when it hit me. Like, 
Perion. You really just did that. But in doing so, it made me want to go harder because it showed me like with a little hard work, like look how much success you can get. So imagine if you like continue to prepare and continue to work hard. So like that really just turned me up to another level. Like I'm going to go to the combine and dominate. Like they're about to see some freaky shit. Like I, I like that. That really changed my my life. I'm not going to lie to you. That changed my life. Just being around all those people that winning MVP. Yeah, that that definitely changed my life for sure. That's it's crazy. It's awesome. And uh, having success like that is fuel, man. So like, right. what is next? What's, you know, you do have the combine, but right. you know, that comes with a, a whole nother group of uh, preparation that you got to prepare for. So where are you going to be doing your training? Exactly. So I'm at the, I'm at um, Exos in Dallas with Brent Calloway. I would just say that I'm working more on speed now. Like we only got like about two weeks before the combine, so, like, everything has to be spot on. Like, there can't be no mistakes. Like, everything basically has to be perfect because once we go to the combine, we won't have our trainers there, like, tell us, like, fix your hand or do this or do that. Like, we got to make sure everything's perfect because when we get to the combine, we basically got to be our own coach. So I would say, like, these next two weeks or next two, two and a half weeks, like, the preparation is even more intense, like, like, again, we're working out three times a week. I'm going to Lifetime every day, stretching, hot tub, cold tub. I'm doing the same preparation I was doing for the Senior Bowl, but just more amped up and more focused, more locked in. I'm not talking to as many people, giving my energy to as many people because I'm, I'm focused on myself, like tunnel vision. Like, I just did the Senior Bowl. Now nah, it's the combine. I'm, I'm only thinking about the combine. Like, I'm not thinking about the pro day or the draft. Like, I'm – I'm putting stuff in order and I'm focusing on that. And then when I complete that task, then we'll go on to the next task. It sounds like, you know, just with the combine prep, do you, do you have any goals in mind? Like, do you have times you want to hit? Like, have have you, have you set that stuff in your mind? Because I I love what you said about the senior bowl, like, Hey, visualizing that, you know, setting that as your goal and then making that goal a reality. Like, do you have any of that stuff for the NFL combine right now? Hell yeah. For my 40, I'm trying to run 4-8. Like, they, when they see me fucking flying down at a motherfucker, they're not going to know what to do. Like, I'm, for my 40, I'm trying to run about 4-8-5. If I can get it down to, like, 4-8-2, my God, they got to pay me. My my Burt, I'm trying to get about 35, 36. Like, I'm, I'm about to do some freaky shit at the combine. My broad jump is going to be 10 inches, 10 feet, whatever, whatever one it is. Like, they're not ready for what my 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 three cone drill is about to be seven one something. My five ten five is about to be four two. Like what what I'm about to put on tape at the singer bowl <laughs> after that. I mean with the combine, they're not gonna be able to deny me. So how much you gonna weigh, you think? Uh I'm probably gonna be around 290, 295. I was three oh three at the um singer bowl for the most part. But then throughout the whole week I feel like I was like two ninety three at the game. I want to be like a little lighter so I could just fucking fly. If hey, if you run four eight, you remember Bo Jackson when he ran the touchdown and just kept running into the tunnel? Yeah. If you if you run four eight, just keep going. Say I'm done, boys. The combine's oh. over. I'm out. Uh, so this is something you need to know. This is something you need to know because Teddy and I uh, both went to the combine. We've been through it. You run, and your time isn't like visible anywhere. Right. So you have to go check your phone and your agent will send you your time. 
Right. Or we'll send you like the screenshot from NFL Network of you running and like the time that they got. And it's right. it says unofficial and those get tweaked a little bit. But if if you run one and you run four eight two, do not run a second one. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. my advice. So I would I would say if you run it, don't run a second one. Don't do a vertical. Don't do your three. Codes. Don't do anything else. <laughs> don't do anything. Just deuces. I'm out of here. It's what Dion did. <laughs> He's like, yeah. man, and he kept going. Real talk. That that would be dope for sure. So that's awesome. So when, uh, oh, go ahead, Gabe. You you got it, Ted. Uh, I was just gonna say that. Um, so i like we we've had a lot of stuff go down, and I saw that uh, whenever you got that the senior bowl MVP. Coach Venables uh, gave you a shout out on on Twitter, and then and then you responded back to him. What have you heard, or what what what's been your interaction with the new coaching staff up there? So when Venables came in, we all were in the meeting, and I mean like everybody's ears were up, like nobody was leaned back or everybody was in there like locked in, like oh my god, this man is about to change this program, like like he's bringing that dog mentality back to the University of Oklahoma, like and sitting there, I'm rocking back and forth, like dude, I, I might not leave. Like I might, I might play for this man. Like I swear, like you can ask any of my teammates, like it, it took a whole lot of thinking to come to a decision. And then after the meeting, I walked down and I, I like, everybody left. And I introduced myself to him. Like, yeah, I'm Perry. I went, he looks up to me. He's like, Oh, that's you. You know, you got another year of eligibility. Right. <laughs> and when he did that, like, he don't even know, like that made me even think about it even more. Like I'm thinking about it day in and day out. Like, man, I'm trying to play for this man. Like he is a dog. Like, like, like that's all that was going through my head. But I had to do what was best for my family. And I just felt like it was time to go. Yeah. Well, after that senior bowl performance, it's it's looking like a really good decision. <laughs> it's it's looking like a smart decision. So are are you still staying in touch? I, I know you're you're laser focused. Right. Uh, you're you're extremely focused on the senior bowl stuff. Now it's the combine stuff that has all your focus, but are, are you still talking to some of those guys that are, that are still back at OU, some of the guys that you were on that D-line with that are still there? And kind of, what are they saying about the new coaching staff? Maybe they say anything about Schmitty and what they're going through right. workout-wise. Like, what's that conversation so, like? Yeah, I talk, I talk to almost – like, we have a group chat. I talk to almost everybody on the team every single day. And just they're just getting me so excited for the season because, like, there's kids – in the program that under the old coaching uh, strength staff, like they would be like quitting workouts, like not being able to make workouts. And then when Schmitty got here, like the players that the, the players that he's talking about used to quit, like I'm hearing like he's turning them into like dolls, like everybody in there working. Like I'm just getting so excited because like JB, Justin Broyles was telling me like this, the, mentality of the whole team is just different like everybody in there is getting extra work like there's no more just chilling you get one workout in and you're done like everybody's mentality has just changed overall like everybody just wants to win and the dopest thing I think he did was when he implemented like everybody has to wear a suit for the walk of championship like I feel like he's bringing everybody in as one and he bringing that SEC mindset to the University of Oklahoma so I'm I'm very very excited for this season for sure you thought about stopping in for a workout with Schmitty? <laughs> I <ain't gonna> lie. <laughs> I can't pull up on Schmitty. I heard he doing them boys dirty down there. <laughs> oh, that's Man, good. 
I don't, I don't blame you. I, I would, Ted, what's the best way to put it? I would not recommend it. Yeah. Too many people have told me too many stories. I, I, I would rather listen to the stories than try to see it firsthand for sure. No, I, until May Pro Day, whenever you're starting to get you, when you got to you're breaking up, Teddy, you're breaking up a little bit, man. So, um, I, I, I think he said, so yeah, you, you go to the combine, right? right? And then there's just kind of this weird lull in everything between the combine and your pro day, which I no, think is going to be bro, like our combines March 9th. So, okay. So there's, I mean, the turnaround time no, short. There's, yeah. There's no, there's no time to waste. Like, the combine is March second. Our pro day is March 9th. So we're literally leaving from Indianapolis to Norman. Like <laughs> we ain't got no time to waste. So that'd probably be the first time I meet Schmitty and, and get some work in because obviously we're gonna be working that whole week. So I might, like Teddy said, I might have to work with Schmitty <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> Did you get a feeling from any of the teams uh, at the Senior Bowl? Like I, I don't. Who was coaching you guys? Did was there anyone that you like? You felt like a connection there with maybe one of the D-line coaches or one of the – uh... yeah. I was coached by the Jets. And I would say I built a strong bond with the defensive coordinator and the linebackers coach. Like, they fell in love with me. They voted me captain of the defense for the game. Like, they like they sat out there and said, like, if anybody has to talk to the team, we want it to be you. So I feel like there was definitely mutual respect from me and them. Like, we just – I don't know. We just clicked right away. So that's that's fun, man. Uh, I, I'm Good. so excited for you. Like, I oh, I can't, we we can't let you leave without asking you. Like, what got stolen, bro? I saw your tweet. Like, did you get your stuff back? No, bro. I haven't gotten it back. But hopefully, if the Lord sees fit, that I'm gonna get my stuff back. It was my my Senior Bowl game worn jersey. It was signed by everybody on my team. My shoulder pads. That was on the like the game worn shoulder pads, like everything that I got in the helmet that I got from the game. So I I got the OU helmet and I put every single last decal from the other teams like on the helmet. If if you see it in person, like it looks dope as fuck. So I just hope I get everything back, bro. Cause like it's stuff like that you don't get back. And when I move into my house, like I want to have a big ass like man cave with all the awards and shit that I won. So to think that that won't be in there that would be kind of hurtful where so, was it where'd you where did was it there in in texas or was it yeah, down in it, it happened in texas um i left it at the i left it in my homie's car because he drove me home from the airport and i didn't remember until the next day so he was trying to give it back to me but i just drove out there it was about 40 minutes i drove out to him and we get there he opens the trunk and he hands me the helmet because i brought my um rough rider helmet but then he just looks at me, and I look at him. He's like, bro, where's your bag? So he goes upstairs. He finds out the bag's not up there. Then he realizes that somebody's broken into his car because his brother's wallet was stolen, and they tried to buy $900 worth of mer- merchandise from Walmart. So they're going to get caught eventually. They're, they're on camera and everything. So eventually they're going to get caught. I just hope and pray that they don't, like, try to get rid of this stuff for, like, damage it or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, at this point, everyone knows it's stolen. Like, exactly. you're not gonna be able to sell it to a memorabilia <laughs> guy. Like, just don't don't like chuck it in a dumpster or anything exactly. like that. You know what I'm saying? That would be just do the right that would thing. be the worst. Exactly. At least you got that trophy. I was worried that the trophy was with all yeah. that stuff. No, for real. At least I got this bad boy right here. But yeah, I can't play for real. 
so I, I've always wondered this. And even though you and I, we, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years right. with my role with the radio stuff and talking to you, doing those post-game interviews, what's up with the Jason thing? Like, when, when did that start? Like, what, what, what is that? What, what's up with that? Wait, the JC thing you're talking about, junior college? Like the Halloween, like the, the, the mask, oh. you had it on your thigh pad. Like, yeah. it was like, it was almost like an alter ego or something. Yeah. Like, what, what was that whole deal about? That's, that's honestly what I feel like. Like, that's, I would say like that. I feel like that scary movie vibe is like my alter ego because everybody knows when I'm off the field, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm trying to make everybody laugh. Like, but once I put my helmet on, I feel like my voice changes and everything. Like, I'm trying to kill a motherfucker. Like, I, I I don't know how to explain it, bro. Like, it's not me. Like, I do things on the field, and then I come back, I take my helmet off, and then I'm back into my normal self. And then I'll be like, damn, I was that was kind of mean. I shouldn't have done that shit to him. But on the field, I'm thinking like, yeah, motherfucker, you like that shit. But when I'm off, the, it's hard to explain, bro. Like, you, it's hard to balance, like, being mean as hell on the field and then being the kind, nice, generous person I am off the field. It's well, just weird. People see me on the field and then think I'm that way off the field, and then they get to know me. And they're like, "Yo, that can't be the same person on the field." This shit is not. <laughs> if you somehow figure out who's got your your jersey and helmet, right. don't don't put the Jason mask on. Just call no, the cops definitely. or something. We can't have that's, it. We can't have any of that. We need you. We need you going in the first round. Right. Real talk. No, I'm not. I don't. I don't want. Because I know how mad you are. I know how I, mad you are. I just want my shit. Like, that's all I want. Like, I don't care if they drop it off at my door, if they gave it back anonymously. Like, I just want my stuff. Like, I just don't want them to damage it. I, they obviously I can't hurt them, but I don't, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to them. I just want my shit. Like, that's all. That's all. That's not, you're not asking for much, man. Right. You're not I'm, asking for much. Carry on, man. I, I know it's an extremely busy time for you, very exciting time. And, this is awesome that you were able to hop on with us. I was, we, we were so fired up that you had the senior bowl that you did, man. And I, I can't wait. It's crazy because I was watching your video and you literally called everything that fucking happened. Like you literally he was said dead on it. He dead literally on it. dead on about how the media was going to change their perception and everything. Like it was crazy watching that for real. I, Hey, I appreciate y'all for having me on too. Hey, so is- uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, baby. <laughs> you throw enough takes out there, one of them's gonna be right every once in a while, dude. I'm I- I'm so happy for you, and this is you know former players like this is a brotherhood, man. Right, I, exactly. If you need anything from Ted or I, like w- we got you, bro. This is oh. this is for life. You know what I'm saying? So life. I I can't I can't wait to see where your career goes, bro. Definitely, I appreciate that for sure. So sure. y'all know we locked in, man. I'm I'm trying to if our schedule is right, I'm trying to get to a game next year. Or the way I feel like our our season gonna go next year, I'll be at the national championship for sure. <laughs> I like it. Four hey, eight you got two. Anything else? Four eight two. I'm I'm gonna be watching. Four <laughs> eight two. Let's see yeah, it, man. Yeah, over. You remember I said that? <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, Perion. Thanks, man. So, man, thank y'all. Y'all have a good one. I think, I think a few few things that Perrion Winfrey said are are going to spark some conversation amongst the fan base. Just, I, that, I think that's that's a safe assumption. Noteworthy, yes, yes, I believe so. Um, 
there's going to be some stuff in there that definitely gets picked out, talked about. But hey, um, I don't think it's any anything that he says is going to come to any real surprise to anyone, right? I mean, some of those things were were being talked about pretty routinely. But I'm happy for him, man. I hope he continues this. I hope he I hope he just continues this this off season and just keeps checking those boxes and knocking it out of the park. Four eight two. Let's go. We'll Four, see. Eight, two. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Easiest winner to pick ever oh you softball oh it's softball season baby can't wait i love it uh we've got an unbelievable team <laughs> we have uh the best offense if it could be any better than it was a year ago i think it is and we've got perhaps the best pitching staff in all of softball this team's an absolute juggernaut Go through the weekend, only give up one run. Uh, the opener was a, <laughs> a a perfect game pitched by the the pitching staff. And uh, first first at bat of the season, Tiara Jennings blasts a home run just like she did last year. Uh, pretty amazing stuff from this group. The the young Jordy Ball is amazing, true freshman, and she is just lights out. Had a really good, um, I think she threw three innings or two and three quarters, something like two and two thirds uh, in the opener, and then came back and struck out 14 against UCLA, number three team in the country. Pretty impressive stuff. Seven innings pitched, four hits, three walks, 14 strikeouts. True freshman. True freshman, second outing against number three team in the country. How about that? I, I guess if you're looking, if you're looking to criticize her, you could say, hey, 
maybe a few too many illegal pitches early there in the game. You know, she was getting a little, little hop, little hop action. You know, it happens yeah. when you're fired up, I suppose. You got to push the boundary. You got to push the boundary. Um, that stuff is, is not always called either. It's one of those. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but uh, I love it. She is an excellent athlete. Gabe, I have witnessed Jordy Ball at, I don't know, I don't even want to guess how much she weighs, but. Don't do that. That's, that's not, not a, going that's to. Not a, yeah, don't do that. But I don't have to guess it this way because I witnessed it firsthand. I saw her power clean 220 pounds. Excuse me, what did you, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, 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 yes. hold on. <laughs> you got to tell the story now because I'm not, Yeah. you throw 220 on the bar right now, I'm telling you right now I can still power clean it. It's not going to feel very good for me. I haven't power cleaned since I played. I probably wouldn't have a good time. The wrists would probably be like, what are we doing? We're back to doing this. And you're telling me this, what is she, 18, 19 year old? Just, it was, it was, this was, this was, would have been like last August before she, before school even started. So yeah, like 18, she just got to town and I, I, I don't know if like the school's gym stuff wasn't open or what, but she came into the gym where I was at and I was like, I didn't know who she was at first. and. I was like watching her and I was like, oh my God, because she's not big, right? She's not big. And someone asked her like, if she does something at OU and she's like, I play softball. I was like, I know exactly who that is. Yeah. I'm, she is an excellent athlete. Very, very strong. Very powerful. Okay. Impressive. I am. I am going to power clean 220 this week, and I'm only sending you a video of it. I I just need to prove to myself I can still do it. Don't no injuries. You made it. How about you made it through snow skiing to only get injured power cleaning 220? Skiing's pretty fun, man. It's great, isn't it? And I did not. I did not listen to your advice. Skied Ajax and Highlands. Oh, that's good. You must have got it down pretty good then. I I felt pretty good. The second day, so went Saturday and then went. Oh, so Saturday was like a full day of skiing, like a little too much for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And was experimenting with some start, some stuff like later in the day, start some parallel turning, stuff like that. Yeah. Start really getting the groove. I think total on Saturday fell seven times total. So I was That's like, not but. Bad. But soft falls, all soft right. falls where I was like, okay, I'm just going, I'm going down. Yeah. And then Sunday, yeah, don't fight it. Just don't try and catch yourself. Just go down. Nope. Just <laughs> it, it, it's like getting rolled up in a pile. That's what I compared it to. Like guys on the back of my legs up, oh, I'm limp and I'm down. Yeah. Just <laughs> no tension. There I go. But Saturday, like four runs on what I were told are solid blues. I don't know what that means. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to believe that that's good. I know it's not, but that's okay. It was my second day of skiing ever. People leave me alone, but did four runs on solid blues. Three first three runs, Ted clean. Awesome. We're, 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 we're parallel turning. 
we're getting we're getting some parallel skiing. The uh, there was there was very little pizzaing going on. Nice. The wedge was put aside, and we were we were starting to carve up carve up some powder, buddy. On an edge, huh? It, I love it. Except for run four of the day, where started off perfectly, and my my wife's cousin's fiance was kind of leading us around, and she was so nice and doing such a great job. And she was like, "Hey, hey, this one, let's go a little steeper. Like you can definitely do it." Like because she had been kind of watching me. She was like, "You can definitely do it." And I was like, dang, you're, you're right. Yeah, I definitely can go take a sharp left, take a right, take another sharp left. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of space over there. I'm just going to go over there, you know, kind of stay out of people's way. I'm still a beginner. I go over this little thing. Moguls. Uh Oh, yeah. Uh Oh, and I just brain shut down, panic, curled up in a ball <laughs> and just slid down the mountain for like a solid hundred feet skis both fell off i dude i got into those moguls and i just was like oh my god i tried to get out as fast as i could i got a little bit off the ground and i just let i was like i'm i'm just gonna fold the ball here and gonna lay down both skis fell off one got stuck like on the slope so i had to hike back up and get it and people were heckling me for the chairlift it was oh uh, that's good. awesome yeah, yeah i'm not a moguls fan hate it you have to like jump to turn. It's brutal. Uh, I'm glad you had a good time though. That's awesome. It's so much fun. No injuries. We walked That's away good. unscathed. That's all that I'm matters. I'm telling you, man, after like, if you don't do it often, like the people that live out there, just it's, it's nothing, but it's a leg workout and late in the day, whenever you've been skiing a lot and you start to get some fatigue going on, some mistakes can be made. <laughs> I, I came down on Saturday after a few beverages, but I was like laser focused. I was like, I cannot fall. So like clean on the way down on Saturday. I was, whew. that's awesome. <laughs> but well, okay. Well, that, that I did not expect to uh, dive into that much skiing talk. <laughs> a, just a dynamic combo of softball and uh, snow skiing talk yes. there. Winter of the week, OU softball was awesome. I'm glad they're back in season. She looks like she is going to be, I mean, just an absolute star. And I'll say this, and this is something you and I brought up repeatedly when the name, image, and likeness stuff went in place. These OU softball players, they are going to be raking it in. And gymnastics. Gymnastics, too. They have tons of followers on social media. Yeah, uh, OU softball, though, you're right, man. They are – I mean, there's some girls on there that are just – they're unbelievable. They really are. We got to get Jordy Ball on here, huh? Yeah. We'll work on that. We'll work on yep. that. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I, I'm not picking on them. I'm not. But it's OU men's hoops. If you got Kansas beat, in their place, you got to finish it off. I know that's an incredibly uh, difficult thing to ask, but they had them, absolutely had them on the ropes and just couldn't went, score. No, late, just totally fell apart. Couldn't get anything going. And give Kansas some some credit. They, they defended well late, defended the final shot pretty good. But, man, that was – they looked so good for such a big part of that game and then – what was it like a 15 4 something like that run late by Kansas? That was frustrating watching them fall apart like that. 
Yeah. Just could not put the ball in the basket. Uh, I thought that Bill Self's decision to go with the Clemens kid, right? Yeah. The tall. And I'd completely forgot about him because he he's missed a ton of time for them. But I thought he did a much better job on Groves in those situations, kind of bothering him in the pick and pop stuff that was working really well for OU early in that game. And you just you can't have you can't have those scoring droughts at Allen Fieldhouse. You you just can't have it. And that all being said, I mean, Goldwire's shot goes in. I mean, maybe they get it done yeah. in overtime. I mean, who, who knows? But, yeah, I, I'm with you, especially with Abaji having the off day he had. Yeah. It really felt like they should have won that game. And after what they did, remember, we recorded early last episode, so we didn't get to give them their praise for beating Tech by 15 at home. So, like, right. we haven't complimented them in essentially a month. I know. I know it. So, they had that awesome win against Tech where they, they just completely dominated the second half of that game, and Tech looked all out of sorts. If they would have been able to go 15-point win against Tech and Norman and then tack on a win at Allen Fieldhouse, I mean – Damn, that would have been sweet. But but you're right. They just it was there and they just couldn't they couldn't finish the job. I they and I was tightened up a little bit too. I was I was watching that in a bar. I was screaming at the television and I had my OU beanie on and everything. And like I had formed a a, a community of people that I had convinced to cheer for OU and it was going really well. And then it it all fell apart. Well, I don't know. I <laughs> It's a it's a tough loss. It would have been an awesome win, but it's it's good to see signs of life. Like I'm not gonna be the um, you know take a moral victory out of that or anything. But we've seen some signs of life. The nice win against Tech. Uh, they looked good in really big stretches against Kansas. And what is it number? Is Texas number twenty that they play on Wednesday? Number yeah. twenty ranked Texas. So it's another tough game, but it's it's an opportunity that you can go win and get a nice win. And if you can put some of these pieces together, I think they're capable. Yeah, there's no doubt. I expect them to beat Texas on Tuesday. Uh, I really do. Softball. Oh, you basketball, man. We got a lot going on. There's a lot. There's a lot going on right now, but if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products you got to grab some of Balconia's Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balconi's Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balconi's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. But make sure you bank. That's why you do this. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) First Fidelity Bank is a full service (laughs) financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all of your personal and business needs. 
checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. So for my winner of the weekend, LA Rams, my loser of the weekend, mm. Cincinnati Bengals. Let's talk some Super Bowl, Ted. What'd you think? I thought it was I thought it was a good game. I, I really did. Um, lower scoring, especially there in the first half. Um, I thought Cincinnati, for the most part, until kind of late, did a good job protecting Joe Burrow at times. They hit on some nice big plays. Uh, defensively, they defended really well um, until, until late there. But I thought all around, just viewing it as like, the the biggest game of the year i thought it i thought it delivered with excitement big plays good defense it was it was a good watch yeah i'm with you um so some observations from this game uh thought zach taylor was a little conservative with the play calling early that is that's completely understand i i didn't i thought joe burrow would have played better i and i know it's hard to criticize the guy, especially in the second half when he was just being assaulted mm-hmm. by that Rams defensive line. But I just, I, I expect him, I don't know why I expected him to be like flawless, but he was a little shaky at times. And I just, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I, and maybe I should have, he's a second year quarterback playing in the damn Super Bowl, but I don't know. Just like we built him up. It, it was, Every conversation I had about the Super Bowl, like heading into this game, was like, man, I like the Rams, but I really don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. By the way, yeah. he covered. Yep. But he he wasn't he wasn't as I, I don't know, he just wasn't as sharp as I thought he was gonna be. And it's hard to be yeah. sharp when you got that much pressure on you. So I I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I agree with that. Um it was weird. I thought Cincinnati was going to win the game the entire time until that fourth and one, the ball hit the turf. I, I thought they were going to – I personally thought they should have let uh, the Rams score earlier whenever they got down inside the one and, you know, they ran the sneak and they had to call a timeout. Like, just, I don't know what you're doing right now. You're costing yourself time. And they kept going back to Zach Taylor. I think that's what he was thinking about because he looked like he looked really stressed there. Um, you know, I felt pretty, pretty confident they were going to punch one in. You just need to give yourself a little bit more time. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Burrow was good. He made a couple of just unbelievable throws, but I think what happened you know, late is I don't care who you are when the pressure's getting there, like it started to it, the, the clock in your head is just off and it's hard to, it's hard to deliver whenever you do have a clean pocket, you're always trying to find a way to escape instead of being on time and on target. 
I think we officially owe Odell Beckham Jr. an apology. <laughs> he he was going to dominate that game until he blew his knee out, which we we all can acknowledge. That's that's what happened. But had that nice touchdown early, and I and I I know that Coop in, or Cooper Cup ends up being the star of the game, the game winning touchdown on he was you know he's the best receiver in the NFL this season, but. I think Odell Beckham Jr. was going to have a massive Super Bowl. I really do, because I think they were going to try to take Cup away a little bit, and he was going to have one-on-one opportunities like all night, and he blew his knee out. So I guess we'll never know, but that, that offense really slowed down for a while because, first of all, neither team could run the ball. I mean, certainly yeah. the Rams couldn't run the ball at all, and when he went out, that passing game suffered like in a big way. So. Yeah. We officially Stafford was inaccurate during a big portion of that game. Yeah. That ankle, if that ankle, if his, his foot slipped out at the very end, I thought he was going to break his ankle because reader fell on them. And anybody that's played against that guy, he is a massive, (laughs) huge human being. Yeah. Well, that was one annoyance from me was Collinsworth. Which, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to know, but when it comes to coverage, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about at all. Zero. Not when, at all. When it comes to offensive line play, he has no clue what he's talking about. I don't know about. if he has a clue about anything, <laughs> honestly. I, but I, it wasn't that big of a deal, but he kept talking about uh, how, like, all the double coverage. They didn't double Cooper Cup one time. Not once. Not at least not that I saw. So I like at the end of it, he's talking about double coverage. You had the the Mike backer on him. Whenever he was inside on the when they got the pass interference call, which I thought was a bad call, but wasn't a fan of that call either. Yeah. If you got a zone coverage, you have underneath defenders and you have other top defenders. That's not double coverage, but that's just a small annoyance. It uh, doesn't really matter, but uh, yeah, I, Odell going out, it took their, it felt like it took some of their big play away. And maybe it felt like they had a big part of their game plan built towards attacking him or, or not attacking him, but going with him. And whenever he let, he was out, like maybe it limited quite a bit what they were able to do. No, I'm with you. Um, some other things that happened in that game. Johnny Hecker just dropping the ball on the extra point on the hold. Yeah. What? Uh, that was now at that point, right? The the Rams score, I think that was the cup TD and they're up 13 to three. They're about to kick the extra point. It felt like it was entering a danger zone for the Bengals, yeah. right? Where you're like, okay, if they don't go here and answer, but that's when they went all the way down. Mixon throws the touchdown pass, which was pretty sweet. That was and awesome. Yeah. Is is he the only OU player to ever throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Yep. Think so. At least if I go off of the multiple reports that I saw on Twitter during the game. What I saw on Twitter, is. so I choose to believe it. Right. No, that was that was really cool. But you're right. That that was a well. <laughs> That ended up costing everyone that bet on the Rams uh, their their push. Correct. <laughs> not I, I would say there's not a lot of Johnny Hecker fans out there right now. Uh, or I guess if you had 
if you bet on the Bengals, yeah, you love like Johnny Hecker's your favorite yeah. guy in the world right now. Which is kind of interesting. Can you imagine how big of a letdown it is if you had the most the heaviest bet football game of all time is a push? <laughs> just, just everyone's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, other, that, this this was maybe the play of the night. Stafford throws the interception, right? kind of the arm punt there late in the first half. And the the Bengals has a guy that's inactive, get a personal foul for running on the field. He was wearing flip-flops. He was wearing slides. What? Vernon Hardgraves, what was he doing? I have no idea. It was incredible. I, I think I, like, they intercepted it, and maybe I walked out of the room or whatever, but I walked back in and <laughs> – they're showing him sitting on the bench on the sideline. And I was like, that dude does not look like, uh, he looks like he's in trouble. <laughs> and it kind of prevented yep. them from trying to go get points before yep. the half. I'm just that guy. We'll see if he's, we'll see how long he's employed by the Bengals. I suppose. I didn't see it, but what did, what did Zach Taylor, how did he react? They didn't really show any interaction between like him and the Stafford. They showed him on the okay. field and then they showed him looking horrified on the bench. I felt so bad for him. That's, but what was he doing? I have no idea. I have no idea. He just lost his mind, I guess, for a second. And wow. then we had the the sequence to start the second half was insane. 75 yarder to T. Higgins, who okay, someone explain to me. Right, and I know Jalen Ramsey gave up some big plays in that game, but he's been a really good player for a really long time in the NFL. If if a wide receiver face masks you to the ground to catch the ball, like I don't understand how was he just not losing his mind? He seemed awfully calm. That I don't know if he like didn't like know what happened, like how he ended up on the ground, but it was very clear when they replayed it that. T. Higgins face masked him to the ground. I have no clue how he wasn't just completely losing his mind on the officials. I, I'm guessing he probably wasn't sure what happened, but he, I did see him like talk about him grabbing his face mask a little bit, but I guess it's hard to know whenever you're in there, but I don't know that that was kind of surprising that they didn't call it in, in live action. I didn't see it at all until they went back to it, but yeah, I, you know, I think all that stuff evens out because I thought there was a couple of plays down later that I thought the Rams kind of got away with that, that, that one where the backer was on, uh, which he played a great game. Uh, the kid from Wyoming, uh, he's, he's a good player there. Um, they called him on a pass interference. And then I don't know that the penalty on Cooper cup in the back of the end zone, like the, the targeting or whatever, like that whole exchange was just weird to me. I didn't like the holding call on it either. Yeah, it, it was just weird. This is this is one of the think of this as a defensive player. You're you're around the goal line, it's the Super Bowl. And Cooper Cup catches the ball in the end zone. You got to do whatever you got to do to dislodge the football. Right. Yeah. And it's not like he launched into his head. I and I Cooper Cup caught the game winner in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure he's gonna remember catching it. 
<laughs> because he got blasted. But... On the sideline, he did not look very uh, enthused. So, I don't know. But what else is that and, guy supposed to do? I don't know. But it's weird that they called it. He called it a dead ball. Which, I don't know how. The, I don't know. I think he just that, called it unnecessary roughness. Well, I think he called that, it a they dead don't call ball, it, though. Yeah, they don't call it targeting. They just say unnecessary yeah. roughness. But it, I don't know. I, I was confused at how it was a dead ball, but I don't know. Um, it was a good game, but I totally thought Cincinnati was going to win it. I thought Joe Burrow was going to go down. I was like, here we go, man. This is this is what he does. And then that fourth down just ended so like anticlimactically, you know, where he just kind of slings the ball, which – I think I bet Zach Taylor's probably going to go back and, and and be upset about it, but they tried the go ball there on what was it on second one or two, and then handed it to of, P Ryan on third down. Instead of just moving the chains, you know, and trying to to keep the drive alive, he took a shot on him. Where was Joe Mixon on the last drive of the game? I don't know. He was on the sideline. Er. P. Ryan was in the entire draft. Like, listen, we all love Samaj P. Ryan. He's a hell of a football player, but he's not Joe Mixon. Yeah. And it I must know have Mixon been had protection. some troubles yeah. in protection, but dude, you, you got to go score. Joe Mixon's got to be on the field. I mean, yeah. he just has to be. Like, you can't be handing the ball to Samaj in that scenario and not Joe Mixon. Right. Yeah. I mean, that just can't happen. Like, was he hurt? He better have been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. I Your don't know. Pro Bowl running back was on the sideline in that moment. Like I, I was sitting there going, "Where's twenty eight? Where's twenty what? And I kept thinking they were going to, you know, because they kept going with that overload to where it forces the back to step up. Oh, you mean you mean the overload blitz that uh, Collinsworth kept misidentifying, calling a four-man rush and overload blitz. I, dude, I was my head was about to explode listening to that guy talk about <laughs> offensive line play. I mean, dude, it's an overload front, if you want to call it that. All they do is take a guy that is normally on the right side of the center, and they put him on the left. It's still a four-down structure. It's blocked the exact same and communicated the exact same way by the offensive line. It's very easy to deal with. And he was like, it's getting Donald one-on-ones. No, it's not. It didn't get him one-on-one one time. They it were just sliding the to there. it like you should. Well, I, I was. I kept thinking that they were going to start slipping that guy and and dumping it like over the top whenever because they got beat several times on by that guy. So I thought they would just slow him down, just go up there and, and, and try to work him on a, on a little – not necessarily a screen, but just dump off of that guy whenever he was supposed to be running through him. So didn't get it going, but still good game. And I think Cincinnati is, I think they're set up to be good over the next couple of years. I feel like LA is about to blow that thing up. Yeah, they got their title, right? Yep. I mean, in. You look at the last drive of the game. First of all, fourth and one from your own 30 with five minutes to go. You still have all your timeouts. Pretty ballsy call. Yeah, it was. From McVay. I, I was I was sitting there. I was like, man, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I would do. And, and you probably hit it to Cooper Cup it. on a little speed sweep? Like, <laughs> okay. 
Which I mean, I th- the one thing that I thought from Collinsworth on that that was great is because I remember the the uh, the quick or whatever end around that we ran to Smallwood against Georgia, right? They got stuffed, and I think was that on fourth down. Um, but he said he said. It either works and you're great or it doesn't and you're an idiot. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that is very true. And that's all I could think of is everyone still talks about that. Uh, yeah. The end around to Smallwood. Yeah. But ha- handing it to a guy that arguably should have been the NFL MVP and handing it to Jordan Smallwood. It's not, you know, we're not talking apples to apples. Yeah, no offense to my true. guy Smallwood. Love Smallwood. Great dude. Very true. But Matthew Stafford was brought to LA for that last draft, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they gave up all that draft capital. That's why, that's why they made it happen for that, for him to be in that moment and put that drive together and go win a Super Bowl. And he did it. I mean, he did it. Yep. And the goal line fade actually worked. Hey, talk about a play that doesn't have a great hit rate. I mean, nice no. little goal line back shoulder throw to cup. I mean, perfect throw. What did Cup end up with? Do you know off the top of your head? Now I can look it up real quick. He caught like the last 20 passes itself. He was, I mean, that that last drive was like all him. He was eight for 92 and two touchdowns. I feel like he had way more than eight catches. Well, the last couple were the most impressive because he probably didn't know where he was. (laughs) Hammered. Got two touchdowns, two for one. That's not not how you want it. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But... So a, a couple final random thoughts. The Super Bowl logo not being at the 50-yard line was messing with my brain the entire game. Me like too. I'd be like, oh, they're at midfield. And I'm like, nope, they're at the 20. What? <laughs> the, I get Same the shield thing. was in the middle, but it was really playing with my mind that that Super Bowl 56 logo was was not in the middle of the field. I, I hated it. It messed with me the entire game. Uh, I, I had the same problem. Very same problem. What'd you think of the halftime show? Loved it. I did too. I think anyone like my age to your age, like, oh, that was okay. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary. I thought Mary J. Blige was awesome. Uh, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar. Like, I thought it was a little weird that Ice Cube wasn't in it, right? With, yeah. with the LA thing. I thought that was odd. I I don't know what was going on there, but. We all made the same 50 cent joke, right? What was that? So if you remember the original into club video, he's hanging upside down like that, right? Okay. But he's shirtless and jacked in the original video. <laughs> and I, I think we all made the same joke. Like 50 cent looks like, you know, more of a full dollar now or something. <laughs> like we all had some version of that line, right? It was, it was like, that made him so winded. He like never caught his breath after it. He was like struggling <laughs> through it. Right. Yeah. He looked, he looked like he was straining, man. Oh, that was funny. That was good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I thought I the show it. was very, very good though. I thought it was great. I, I laughed. I saw, I don't know who it was, but I saw someone on Twitter that said, uh, we were all thinking the same thing that finally, you know, they don't have like a Paul McCartney or something. They play something for the younger people and everyone's like looking around like, oh, wait, <laughs> we're not we're not young anymore. <laughs> we're, we're actually getting kind of old. <laughs> uh, it was good, though, man. I really enjoyed it.
No, I thought it was good. Uh, my last thing, I, I could not believe NBC zoomed in on Sean McVay's call sheet that closely. I didn't see that. I mean, dude, you could read it. Like, you could read the plays. Like, straight up, they zoomed all the way in on it. I was like, someone, someone's getting fired. I guarantee that. What, was it, like, from behind him looking over his shoulder, or was it, like, on the straight back on, side of Straight his- on, he had it. He was covering it, and he had plays on the backside. And they zoomed in so tight, you could read the calls. You can see which ones he had highlighted. And they were <laughs> handwritten, too. I was like, oh, uh, someone's fired. Well, he's a West Coast guy. Did you see a spider two wide banana on there? Dude, there's always a spider two wide banana in there. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's good. I just, I couldn't believe it. And the commercials, crypto commercials, like crypto commercial after crypto commercial after crypto commercials. So many crypto commercials. I liked Larry David one. It made me laugh. Larry David that's, just makes me laugh though. That's really the only one that I I remembered being being good. I didn't see a whole lot of them, but. That one was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect role for him, too. He's <laughs> just, just so funny. But overall, solid game. It got kind of ugly there in, you know, late third, early fourth, where it was like, oh, my gosh, the defenses are just killing. Like, it, I was like, this, this kind of sucks for yeah. a little bit. But fun ending. And I wish, I wish Burrow would have been able to make it a little more suspenseful, get down there. Yep. and see what they could do but yeah good game though no it was but, it was entertaining and uh they earned it rams earned it i didn't were you i didn't know aaron donald had talked about retiring after this did you hear that i saw that but uh, it would be very surprising if the the best defensive player in the sport retired in his prime yeah right i didn't even i didn't even wait to see who got the mvp MVP Super Bowl, Cooper Cup. Yeah. He's not even going to remember it. Poor guy. <laughs> I heard I got Super Bowl MVP one time. Oh, my gosh. I hope he's all right. I'm kind of joking about that, but, like, also, I wouldn't be that surprised. He did, that, he did get popular straight in the dome. So, yeah, probably shouldn't be laughing about it. It's, just, it's serious. All right. On that note, episode 189 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Until-